Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flip. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is December 12, 2023. We are week 15 of the NFL season, and this is the first week of the fantasy playoffs for most of you. Welcome to the real games. My name is Michael Nazareth, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found online at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, my very good friend, my very experienced fantasy writer, and very good experienced fantasy player, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very well. Like you said, it's the playoff, and there's nothing better than playoff time. Nothing more frustrating or more nerve-wracking either because you watch games with just that much more intensity knowing it's one and done. But, uh, yeah, it's playoff time. It's great. Uh, I know you and I, I won't say backed into FanX, but we needed some help, and we got some help with that miracle that miracle Hopkins touchdown late in the game to put us into the playoffs, which was great. But uh, I'm thankful that I made the playoffs in every single one of my leagues, so I'm, uh, I'm, I've got a lot to play for this week. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate, too, with my, my three expert leagues that I play in. I made, uh, made the playoffs in all three, and this was the, the tightest of the bunch, and I wouldn't say we backed in because we won. Uh, we needed to win. We needed a little bit of help there. <laughs> Yeah, when uh, when when we needed a certain player, uh, a team owner to lose, and uh, he had uh, he had Jordan Love and his uh, a touchdown late in the game to put the Packers ahead, put his team ahead by six points, and then Hopkins caught the touchdown, and he fell behind by a point, and the rest is history. We're in the playoffs. Uh, I was also fortunate in two my other two expert leagues to go in as a one seed, so I get a bye this week in one of the leagues, and the other one I have to play the eight seed, and yeah, the eight teams out of 16 make the playoffs. <laughs> I don't think I quite agree with that, but, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. In that one league, I've been the eight, eight seed before and upset the one seed and went on to win the title that year, so you're guaranteed of nothing, and that's what makes these games so important is that in most cases, it's one and done. And, you know, if you lose, you're out. It doesn't matter what you did during the regular season. So as long as we're playing this week, let's focus in on what's going on here. And a lot of you guys probably used uh, Justin Herbert to get to where you are. You're going to have to use him uh, you go without without him the rest of the way because he broke his uh, index finger on his throwing hand, had surgery, and he's out for the season. So the question here is, uh, how does that affect the San Diego Chargers offense uh, what's your take on the situation, uh, Chris? Well, yeah, it's obviously got to affect it. I mean, Herbert is, was one of the top quarterbacks drafted each of the last couple of years for a reason. Um, they replaced him with a guy who has literally only thrown one pass in his – as a 28-year-old, he's thrown one pass 
in his NFL career before coming in as a sub last week. I'm sure most people in the league did not know who the Chargers' backup was, did not know who Easton Stick is at this point, even now today. So it's got to have an impact. And this is an offense that was already really laboring with inconsistency. They, they missed Mike Williams since early in the year. Um, Keenan Allen's been great. Eckler's been less than he normally is. And everything's in shambles. So I would be really, really reluctant to, to rely a lot on, on any of the Chargers going forward here. I mean, they're going to be very matchup dependent, unlike guys like Keenan Allen and, and Austin Eckler, who you would have thought would be as matchup proof as they come, especially in PPR leagues. Yeah, uh, they do get uh, Josh Palmer has been activated. It looks like he's going to play. Of course, they're playing the Thursday night game here in Las Vegas, uh, and the Raiders are having their own problems offensively, losing a game three to nothing. Uh, but hey, hopefully it won't be a snooze fest here. But uh, perhaps uh, you know we, you and I were debating whether we're actually going to sit Austin Eckler for Jaden Reed last week, and actually both of them got about 20, 20 points to PPR. But we stuck with Austin, and, and it turns out that when Easton came into the game, they were started dumping the pass off more to Eckler in the passing game, and they did get in the in, you know around the goal line. Of course, Denver, you're going to run, be able to run it in, and that's what he got the score. Uh, so it might not be lost, but definitely a downward hit. And the fact is, Keenan Allen right now is Tuesday. Night sat out both practices this week with a heel injury. I'm assuming he's probably going to play, but it really depends on if he can practice tomorrow, and we'll see what happens in two days. But, yeah, there's a lot of questions here. And there's still a lot of questions over in New York, even though the Jets pulled out a win. Zach Wilson came in and played his best game of the season. The question is, can he keep it up? And they're talking about Aaron Rodgers coming back from that Achilles. What's interesting is everything broke right for the Jets. They won to go 5-8, and eight, and almost all the teams that had seven losses uh, lost, <laughs> or six losses lost. So they're, they're still like a game or two out. The game out, uh, they've got some tire breaker issues and all. But there's still four games left. And they're talking like, uh, well, is Aaron Rodgers going to come back this week? And Robert Sella, the, the quick answer was don't hold your breath. But they're talking like possibly targeting Christmas Eve coming back. Aaron Rodgers, uh, what, what's your take on all this mess with the Jets right now, Chris? Uh, I, I don't see it happening, quite honestly. And, and even if it does, realistically, if anyone's relying on Jets for their fantasy future, if they're still alive in three weeks, I, I, I'm not going to put a lot of hope that it's suddenly going to revive Garrett Wilson's value back to first round. Or, or, you know, wide receiver one status, there's just no mm. value to this. I mean, they are literally two games behind the last playoff spot with, like, and there's, and there's like, you know, and they're, like, 12th place. I mean, there's a lot of teams. Not only is there, is there a lot of, there's two wins in front of them, but they've really got to leapfrog a lot of teams. I, I mean, it's, it's a virtual impossibility they're going to make the playoffs. Without that, there is zero value to having Aaron Rodgers come back. I can't believe they would they would risk that. They would push it. It, it just doesn't matter. It, so there's, I would say that's it's a non-factor, and if you're relying on that anyway to be a factor, you got bigger problems with your fantasy team. Yeah, <laughs> I, I drafted Aaron Rodgers in two leagues. One of them was the best ball league, so I, I'm hoping against hope that he actually comes back. Uh, one of my other quarterbacks is Joe Burrow, who's out, but I've got Stafford, who's actually been fantastic the last three weeks here. Uh, he's got to get another good matchup this week. I think we're going to be talking about here in a minute. But uh, moving on over to Minnesota. Uh, Wow, three to nothing. Yeah, they won the game, but uh, Josh Dobbs, uh, I don't know what it is, comes into a new situation and, like, lights it up, and then he just can't maintain uh, that type of production, and he's been benched for Nick Mullins, 
And, and of course, Justin Jefferson played, uh, I don't know, a handful of snaps, caught a couple of passes, took one uh, a big hit to the back, uh, and they, they're calling it a chest injury. He's uh, day-to-day, may play this week. What's the impact with, uh, you know, with uh, not only Nick Mullins uh, starting, but uh, Alexander Madison's got an ankle injury. He might not even play. What's your whole take on the Vikings offense this week, Chris? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, the, the two losses, I mean, if, if Madison – and Jefferson are, are out, or even if they're limited, that's going to put uh, a lot of pressure on Nick Mullins because they're just going to say, well, nothing else here really scares us. Uh, they're going to, you know, triple team Hawkinson and say, you know, go ahead, find somebody. Um, yeah, I went back and looked at Mullins. He started a string of games twice for the 49ers. The one time his absence completely coincided with George Kittle's absence from the lineup, so it's hard to make a lot of assumptions on, on where he would go because they were, they were in, a, in a really bad way. The other time, George Kittle, uh, in one of his first years in the league, just, I mean, caught almost every pass. He did hardly use the receivers at all. So, clearly, he will like the tight end. Uh, he used the tight end a bit without Kittle. I think I can't remember who it was. It might have been Ross Dwelly that year um, in, in San Francisco. So, I think Hawkinson's value goes through the roof, um, especially with the other injuries going on. But um, it's, it's really hard to get excited about this offense until they start getting some bodies healthy. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I tell you, it's a war of attrition, and the the the, the team they're playing this week, uh, the Cincinnati now has got Jake Browning, who actually is looking not half bad as a, as a starter. It's interesting all these all these uh, quarterbacks sitting on the sidelines uh, behind the starters. Uh, more often than not, not this year, you're getting guys coming off the bench uh, doing a pretty good job, and which is I guess a, a tribute to the coaches uh, behind these guys. They're, they're not they're not just standing there with a clipboard, not prepared to come in and play. They're actually uh, coming in and not not uh, really uh, crapping the bed, as I'd say. But uh, anyway, let's move on over to, to your end of the country there in Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor with a thumb. Uh, you know uh, he didn't play the last two weeks. They said, uh, you know, maybe out one to three more weeks, but there's a, a possibility. Are you hearing anything about his availability for this week? Yeah, one end of the country. That's funny. You couldn't be more smack in the middle and far from an end if you tried. <laughs> uh, 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 the short answer is no. They haven't said anything. In fact, it, he was listed as a DNP today. It's an estimated practice because, you know, like they always do. And interesting to note that he was listed as a DNP, but a guy that hasn't played in six or seven weeks, Juju Brents, was listed as a full participant. So I, I think Steichen is pretty accurate with the way he's reporting these, these estimated practices. I would be really, really surprised if he plays this week. Um, it, it looks like they should be able to compete with a, with a weakened offense in Pittsburgh, even without him. So I, I don't think they're going to use him this week. I think very strongly he's going to be back next week, because otherwise they would have put him on IR if they didn't think he could be back in less than four weeks. So I would say pretty close to zero chance he'll play this week, pretty high chance he'll play next week. And then looking ahead to week 17, if you survive to week 17, um, he's got the Raiders, and he has absolutely freaking owned the Raiders in his career. And we'll talk more about that next week because I'm sure he's going to be a pick to click for week 17 <laughs> if, if uh, for yep, anyone is still yep. alive. I tell you, we're talking about all these games and how many backup quarterbacks are starting. I mean, Browning and Trubinsky and Minshew's been doing it almost all year. I mean, so many teams are, are playing with backup quarterbacks, and Minnesota, of course, has gone through a couple of backups and such. Uh, it, it makes it very interesting, and now the Chargers are without their starter. Uh, so if you've got a guy like Josh Allen on your team, Jalen Hurts, uh, Dak Prescott, you've really got a big advantage over a lot of your fantasy uh, players, uh, fellow owners there. All right, let's get right 
right to the, the quick list of injuries. C.J. Stroud with a concussion. We'll see if he can practice later this week and play. Geno Smith with that groin. They said it was a two-week injury. He sat last week, so uh, I don't know. Uh, probably very iffy to play this week. Derek Carr admitted to the media that he's been playing with three fractured ribs. So he cleared concussion, played last week, and he's going to gut through it again this week because Taysom Hill with that left foot, with that foot and left hand, uh, didn't play last week. He's very iffy to play this week, so we'll see. Uh, Kenny Pickett's out, so we are going to see Mitch Trubinsky again this week. Uh, running backs, so we got some more injuries here. Josh Jacobs uh, hurt his quad. He sat out practice on Monday and Tuesday. We'll see if he can play on Thursday. Very iffy there. Uh, Aaron Jones, uh, well, they said uh, you know going into the weekend he might play, and then of course they uh, they announced on Sunday he wasn't going to play on uh, Monday with that knee. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson with a high ankle sprain looks like he's probably going to miss another week. We'll see if, if he can even get on the practice field this week. Isaiah Pacheco, they said no IR for him, but the shoulder uh, probably not going to play again uh, this week. We'll see. That's a mixture of Ceh and uh, Jarek McKinnon there. Uh, Brian Robinson with a hamstring. Uh, he had the whole bye week to sit around and, and heal. We'll see if he can practice and play. The aforementioned uh, Alexander Madison with the ankle. Uh, we'll see if he can practice at all this week. Justin Jefferson, day-to-day with a chest. Uh, something tells me he's going to play, but we'll see. Keenan Allen with a heel. We'll find out tomorrow if he'll be able to play on Thursday. Tyreek Hill, uh, boy, you know, I don't see how they can outlaw this hip drop, tackle, uh, hip drop tackle, but it's hurting a lot of players. But it's, it's taking its toll on a lot of high-end players, and that's exactly what happened with Tyreek Hill. And, uh, you know, he was in and out of that game, could barely play, but, you know, he got on the field a couple times and made some catches and all. Atua really missed him. He's uh, considered day-to-day. We'll see. I bet you he's going to play, but he might not be full strength again by the weekend. Nico Collins with a calf, played a couple of snaps, uh, injured it. We'll see if he can practice and play. Texans have been in and out. Uh, There's a revolving door at the wide receiver due to injuries there. Christian Watson with a hamstring sat out Monday night's game. We'll see if he can practice and play this week. Uh, at the tight end position, Dalton Kincaid re-injured his shoulder, but he's day-to-day. That doesn't sound too bad. Dalton Schultz with a hamstring. Uh, they got Brevin Jordan there, so they're not probably going to rush him back. And Tyler Higby with the neck didn't play last week. He's uncertain to play this week. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. 
Okay, people, please visit our website, ffmastermind.com. Lots of free stuff on there, including our flagship feature, NFL Quick Bits. All the latest news as it breaks is posted right there. And, of course, we're still producing free Eye in the Sky scanner reports uh, for the teams in the NFL, including those of the Colts from Chris Rito. Of course, our, uh, the, we're, we're in the middle of our late-season sale. There's, uh, what, four, four uh, newsletters left? Yep. Uh, that includes expanded picks to click and flick, a market feature. I went over 114 options at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, kicker, and five defenses to consider that are not, uh, hopefully not on uh, people's rosters. We'll see. And, of course, uh, the rankings for the week, uh, working on for this week as we speak after the show. Uh, release them tomorrow night after the injury reports come out and update them on Saturday. Our injury report, fourth and one injury report, updated on a daily basis for most of the time during the week. And, of course, we update all that, all the rankings and such on Saturday. Weekly season fantasy newsletters, late season sales, only nine ninety five dollars at 75% off. And please follow me on X Twitter uh, at FF Mastermind. All right, let's get to this week's picks to click and flick. These are guys you want to seriously consider either benching or starting depending on certain situations in their opponent. So give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris. Uh, we mentioned him earlier, Matt Stafford. For all the gaudy stats he's put up in his long career, he's only once thrown as many touchdowns in a three-game span as he has in his last three games. Uh, back in 2011 in his 5,000-yard, 41 touchdown season. So he has been that hot recently. And the last week he did it in the rain against the Ravens team that was coming off a bye, had only allowed 10 touchdowns in 12 games passing, and the league low in fantasy points quarterbacks. And this week, now he gets the other end of the spectrum. He faces the commander's team that has yielded the most touchdown passes and the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. So actually with match- this matchup and with the good weather playing in LA, LA, I would actually start him over Mahomes this week. And then uh, how about the guy he replaced or replaced him, depending on your perspective, Jared Goff. The Broncos have been posting solid pass defense numbers, but they've played a string of mostly rookies and, and backup quarterbacks, which kind of skewed their value. Regardless of that, the way I look at this, I always call Jared Goff Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Home because he's averaging about 15 points a game on the road and 23 points per game at home uh, over the last year. Uh, the last three seasons in Detroit, he has 48 touchdowns and 12 picks at home and 21 touchdowns and 13 picks on the road. So it's a real vast difference. Detroit's at home this week in a must-win game. And their defense has yielded some points, so I think they're going to be in aerial mode. I think he's a sneaky good DFS value in particular. Yeah, I tell you that that, that comment about uh, Stafford. I, I like I said, already uh, done uh, most of the rankings, preliminary rankings. I, I uh, hold them back and wait to see the injury report on Wednesday before I post them for the site. But yeah, I've got Stafford six and Mahomes seven, so I'm right with you there. A couple of guys I like this week. Uh, Jordan Love did not look very good on Monday night against the Giants, but. Uh, you know, the Bucks secondary is really, really bad. So I think that uh, Love's going to rebound a bit this week. Uh, so if you need him and start him, uh, you can start him with confidence. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, I think he's a QB1 this week. Uh, the Lions just have a big secondary issue this week. They're falling behind in a lot of games. Uh, Russell's playing pretty good now. And the Cortland Sun is just playing lights out, catching passes, long passes with one hand, while the other one's tied behind his back, basically. Uh, so I like Russell Wilson this week. If you got him and you need him, start him. A couple guys I'm concerned about, Trevor Lawrence, uh, he's got no Christian Kirk. He's still got that bad ankle on the Ravens secondary. They're going to be pissed off coming out against that game against the Rams. Yeah, it's caution play for me. So if you've got a better option other than Trevor, uh, sit him this week. Kyler Murray, uh, 49ers, I think it's just going to limit him. Uh, you know, he's having a little bit of problem uh, getting connected with uh, Hollywood Brown uh, this, this, uh, this season uh, since uh, he's come back. I'm just not getting a good feel for a really big game this week, so be careful you start them this week. How about you, Chris, a couple of quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why? 
Yeah, two big caution plays this week to me that might surprise you. I'll start with Tua. Uh, he's been highly erratic this year for fantasy. He's actually underwhelmed as often as he's not this season. He's had six games under eight, at 18 points or under at four games over 25 points. So you look at Tyreek Hill potentially being slow this week, facing that number one Jets pass defense. This is looking more like a floor game than a ceiling game to me. Um, the Jets are far easier to run on than they are to throw on, and I think the Dolphins would rather run anyway with their two-headed backfield. So I expect another game like week 12, when Tua was held to a season low in fantasy by these Jets. Since their week seven bye, the Jets have only allowed 12 fantasy points per game, and only Josh Allen has topped 14 points since week seven. Definite caution play, even though he's in your lineup. And then, I can't believe I'm saying this, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what's this world coming to? But you've got to look at the reality that he's been quarterback 25 on a points-per-game basis since week seven, with only one game over 19 points. The wheels seem to be coming off his matchup-proof status train. Uh, and this matchup's a tough one. The Patriots have consistently played low-scoring games, and they've only allowed 14 points per game to the quarterback over the last month. Weather could be a factor, too. It's supposed to be colder and potentially rainy in Foxborough this weekend, which doesn't help some slippery-fingered wide receivers. So I think, realistically, you're going to start him in a playoff game, but I would not be surprised if his mediocre fantasy streak continues. Yeah, I hate to uh, agree with you there. Uh, I just won a uh, league with Mahomes, but I didn't win it because of him. <laughs> I almost won it uh, in spite of him. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I agree with you there. How about a couple of running backs you like and why? Uh, Brees Hall. Uh, this should be a great day for some stealing PPR work as the Dolphins allow among the most running back receptions and the most running back receiving touchdowns in the league. And if anything, they could force the Jets into aerial mode so Hall could get even more volume. His number two reception total amongst running backs makes him a high floor play in a PPR. And even though he's not been producing much on the ground, his explosiveness makes him a high ceiling one as well. Um, his short history has also been very good in this matchup. He had 197 yards and a touchdown, total yards and a touchdown against Miami last year. And he posted seven catches against Miami just a few weeks ago. So I like that. And Josh Jacobs, I know he's iffy for this week. I think he's going to gut it out. He usually does. And the Chargers are starting to circle the drain. as We look starting east and stick, like we said. So, I'm thinking this game could get out of hand early in favor of an angry Raiders team after that 3 nothing game. Playing on a short week after an embarrassment usually brings great energy, especially at home. Thursday night games are usually run heavy, and no one in the NFL has as many carries or touches as the workhorse Jacobs. So even with that sore quad, I think he's going to pummel a Chargers team that has allowed the second most receptions to running backs and among the most fantasy points. Jacobs has a great home history against the Chargers as well averaging 21 PPR points per game and scoring in all four of his games at home against him in his career. Yeah, I tell you, if uh, Jacobs can uh, be healthy for the game to start, then I agree it's a really good matchup. All right, a couple of guys I like this week, and Najee Harris. Uh, guess what? He's the starter, not Jalen Warren in Pittsburgh, and the Colts can be run on. Uh, just talked to Mr. Henry about that a couple of weeks ago. I think Najee's going to score in this game, so if you've got him in your lineup you normally start him, there's no worries here. Austin Eckler, uh, I like him as a pick, uh, and maybe it is because Herbert is out in Easton Stick there. I think they're going to dump more balls out off to Eckler in this uh, game against the Raiders that can be beaten. Uh, I think he's going to, uh, they get around the, the goal line there, it's going to be Eckler time, and I think he's going to score. So, uh, you know, you should be able to start him with uh, more confidence this week than last week. Uh, a couple of guys I'm concerned about this week, James Conner. Uh, I know they're going to try and ride him against the 49ers, but the run defense is pretty good, and he's going to be limited there. And he doesn't catch many, many passes, because Michael Carter's been playing the pass-catching role there. I'm concerned about that, too. Chuba Hubbard. Falcons have yet to allow a rushing score from a running back in 2023. Yep, that's the only team that's done that. And Chuba, that's how he scores on the ground, so I'd be careful there. Uh, how about you, Chris? A couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why? 
Isn't that crazy? No rushing touchdowns. I think there's a couple of teams that have allowed almost 20 already. That's that's nuts. Yep. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Yeah. Um, one of my, my flick is Brian Robinson. Uh, he's he was running back four overall from weeks nine to eleven. He looked like he might be breaking out, but he totally disappeared back to his prior levels, and now he's gimpy potentially heading into week 15. The commanders basically shelve Robinson when they get into passing mode or garbage time, both of which should happen early and often this week against the Rams. Um, even a healthy Robinson is going to seed a lot of snaps and high-value touches to Antonio Gibson. I think dump-offs are going to be used to try and slow down the pass rush, try to protect a guy that's not been protected very well. So I think this is going to be another floor game, no matter what the health report is later this week. And then A.J. Dillon. I mean, I think this might be the third week out of four. He's been on my flick list of – the Packer plotter has just summarily failed to live up to even my meager underperformance expectations of the lead back without Aaron Jones. He's had near top-end volume. He's just failed the top 11 PPR points in the last five weeks. And the fact is, he's only done so once this season. He has been so pedestrian, uh, and by pedestrian, I mean like at walking speed. Um, the Packers <laughs> have run 12 wide receiver runs with Jones out the last three weeks as compared to only two in the five weeks that Jones played before that. I think that's very telling. With the weakness of the Bucks secondary, you mentioned Love throwing a lot. I think he's going to attack over the top, keep the ball away from giving it to this water buffalo. I mean, God, it's like watching an end table trying to run. Just, just avoid A.J. Dillon. Cool. Actually, our, <laughs> our, opponent, our opponent in Fanex this week is missing Jonathan Taylor. He's still starting three running backs, and one of them is not A.J. Dillon. That speaks volumes right there. Wow. Okay. How about a wide receiver, a couple of guys you like and why? Uh, I love DK Metcalf this week. If there's one thing we know about the NFL, it's when a diva or an alpha dog wide receiver expresses, shall we say, dissatisfaction about the number of balls thrown their way, that dog gets fed the next week. Everyone probably saw the fracas that resulted when a sulking and angry Metcalf set off a melee last week while being skunked in the second half. You know Pete Carroll is going to throw it to him early and often. And the fact that he's doing it against a Philly secondary that has yielded way more than anyone else in all receiving categories means he is ripe for a monster game. Philly's allowed seven double-digit PPR games in the last three weeks to wide receivers, with seven of those seven guys averaging 20 points per game. Metcalf's also posted 10 catches for a buck 77 and seven for a buck 60 and a touchdown in his last two versus Philly. He's going off this week. I can just see this coming. Uh, and then I liked OBJ this week. Uh, Beckham's had a late-season resurgence that has coincided with Lamar Jackson returning to his high-end pass numbers. I don't think that's coincidental. Uh, OBJ's led the Ravens in targets touchdowns and yards by a wide margin since week nine posting four games with either a touchdown or a hundred yards in his last five and he's done this despite playing half of the snaps over the other wide receivers on the Ravens so if anything there's an even higher ceiling awaiting him highly favorable matchup against the beat up Jaguars team on tap I think you roll with him as a solid WR2 with a high likelihood of a touchdown yeah I tell you I've always been a fan of D.K. Metcalf, just the sheer, sheer size when you look at him next to Tyler Lockett. But, uh, unfortunately, I don't have him on any of my teams. And, darn it, I played against him two weeks ago, and he blew up for 37 points, and I lost. Last week I played against him again, and he scored again. Fortunately, I had the horses to win. And this week I'm going to play against him again. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm sick and tired of seeing D.K. Metcalf on my playoff uh, opponent's roster. I mean, come on. Well, you won't okay. see you won't see anyone you won't see anyone after this week because if you're playing against Metcalf, you might be out. So, <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Okay, um, okay. A couple of guys I like this week, obviously, are Puka and Cooper, <laughs> because the Rams they're just gonna they're just. I think both of them are gonna score again on the Commanders' uh, sorry secondary this week. So obviously, you're gonna plug and play. They're both in my top ten for the week. And Devontae Adams, I think he's gonna blow up for a big game against the Chargers on Thursday night. Whether or not uh, just 
Josh, Josh Jacobs scores or, or plays or whatnot, I think Adams is going to see enough targets and get in the end zone. So you start him with confidence. A couple guys I'm concerned about, uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, just not the same without uh, with, with a gimpy uh, Trevor Lawrence in there and also Christian Kirk not to pull the corner coverage away. Uh, he's being doubled and such. The Ravens are going to be all over him. It's very, uh, It's going to be ugly. And, of course, Gabe Davis. Oh, my gosh, Gabe. What is it? goes from 12 targets and nine catches and over 100 and a score to nothing. And then, you know, yeah, I think he sandwiched that game in between two nothings. And last week was a nothing. He's just too volatile to start. You would think that he would be a good play this week because they need him to try and beat the Cowboys. But they needed him to try and beat uh, the, uh, the last week's opponent, and he didn't get anything. So I'm not touching Gabe Davis until there's a little bit more consistency there. Be careful, people. All right, how about you, Chris, a couple wide receivers you're not crazy about? Well, speaking of volatile, how about a guy that's this way on the sideline, George Pickens? Uh, <laughs> simply oh. put, he is just—he is just not clicking with Mitch Trubisky. Although his decline in productivity has way coincided much more with Deontay Johnson returning to the lineup. Pickens has averaged just three and a half targets per game over the last six weeks, but he was averaging eight targets and had 300-yard games by week seven when Johnson returned. So, with Coach Tomlin expressing frustrations with Pickens openly, which he normally does not do. And a Colts defense has been playing pretty good, especially at home and especially against secondary receiver targets. I look for his frustration to continue. And then Jordan Addison. Um, Addison had seven touchdowns in his first eight games, and some think he might have hit the rookie wall because he's not scored since that week eight tilt. He's only averaged eight PPR points per game with a high of 69 yards. But he was performing well with and without J.J. on the field. So, so what happened in week eight? That's when they lost Kirk Cousins, and he has been absolutely ignored by the quarterback carousel in Minnesota ever since. This week does not look much better with the backup under center, either Dobbs or Mullins, and a rejuvenated Bengals pass defense that has been better than average against the fantasy wide receiver recently. They've only allowed one touchdown in the last three weeks and the third fewest in the NFL, the wide receivers this season. So he's probably not someone I wanted to rely on this week. Yeah, getting back to Gabe Davis, it was against the Chiefs because that's the team that he blew up for was those four yeah. scores in the playoffs to a couple of years ago, and and now he did, gets nothing. I mean, two targets, not even close to getting a catch. Oh, my gosh. All right, how about a tight end, a couple of tight ends you like and why, Chris? <laughs> Boy, that sounded like a Gabe Davis owner whining right there for a minute. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I mentioned Addison down for the Vikings, the guy that's up at TJ Hawkinson. I mean, you play Hawkinson every week. You play any tight end against the Bengals because they're the worst in the league in all tight end defending categories. Uh, 19 points per game since week seven. Neither one of these factors are shattering news. Heck, even the Colts tight end scored on the Bengals last week. But with J.J. and Madison both possibly out, a tight end friendly quarterback under center like we talked about earlier, no matter who starts, Hawkinson has weak winning potential on his own. Of course you're starting him because he's matchup proof. This is a note for DFSers. He is worth paying up for this week in PPRs. I guarantee you that. And then a guy that's uh, kind of on the other end of the spectrum that you probably weren't thinking of starting is Chiggy Okonkwo. Sort of unnoticed, Chiggy's been in the top 12 tight ends in targets, receptions, and yards since Will Levis took over in week eight. He just hasn't found the end zone yet. So I think regression to the mean should come soon. And this week he's facing a Texans team that has allowed the most receptions to the tight end in the NFL this year. Even without a score, I think his floor is very high in PPR. Houston's allowed 15 points per game to the tight end and he makes a dirt-cheap and competitive option for your DFS lineup for sure. If he happens to score, I think he's going to be a high-end number one this week because he's probably going to get peppered with targets. 
Yep. Okay, a couple of tight ends I like this week. Uh, Sam Laporta didn't have a very good week because, of course, the Reliance struggle on the road with Jared Goff while they're coming home against a soft uh, Broncos tight end defense. So I think Sam's probably going to score in this game. So stick with him, and he'll produce for you. Isaiah Likely, uh, he's living up to uh, likely uh, starting potential there. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to score in the struggling Jaguars tight end defense this week, coming off a good game there. So if you need him, start him. Uh, a couple guys I'm concerned about this week, Brevin Jordan, even if uh, – Dalton Schultz uh, doesn't play. The Titans have yet to allow a tight end to score in 2023, so be careful there. And, of course, Hunter Henry, uh, pop for two scores. Uh, he'll do that every once in a while. The Chiefs really limit the opposing tight end, so I'd be careful about uh, relying on a Bailey Zappi to Hunter Henry score this week. How about you, Chris, a couple of tight ends you're not crazy about? Yeah, I don't think anyone playing Zappi and Henry and relying on them is probably playing in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Flick is Trey McBride. Uh, with all the gimpiness at wide receiver in Arizona, McBride's going to get some extra attention from the 49ers when Murray drops back. And while he may drop back a lot because of game script, the 49ers just do not allow a lot to the tight end because they're usually having to chip or block rather than getting a free release. McBride has been a volume hog and is likely a low-end PPR number one as a re- guy as a result. But he's faced a slew of consecutive bottom feeders in the tight end defense department. I think his floor might be lower than usual due to this matchup. So I'd, I'd just be cautious there. And then, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in and stick in my neck out here. I mentioned Mahomes as a caution play. I'm going to list Travis Kelsey as a caution play this week. But Woo! like Mahomes, there's, there's no way you sit him. There's no way you sit him. I'm not saying that. But as we've often said on this show, and many have noted, Bill Belichick takes away what you do best and forces you to win another way. And is there anything else on KC that works aside from Travis Kelsey? He also has a long history of struggling against New England, I think for exactly this reason. He's only averaged 44 yards per game in six games against them over the last 10 seasons, and he's not scored against them in their five regular season matchups. One touchdown in the postseason game that he only had 23 yards in. Uh, Kelsey's been a consistent tight end number 10 in PPR for the last seven weeks with only one touchdown. New England, likewise, has allowed amongst the fewest tight end fantasy points and only one tight end touchdown all season. You play him, but he could be very mediocre again this week. Yeah, I uh, I do agree with you, and I should tell you the one place where I own him is my dynasty league, and I got the bye because we clinched the one seed, so we're not playing this week. So uh, Mr. Kelsey's going to be on my bench. My entire team's going to be on my bench. And I'm going to be watching this and, and, and hoping that he does. He just gets out of the game healthy. All right, time for one-hit wonders. The kicker and defense hit me with him, Chris. Yeah, I like Chris Boswell this week. He's averaged over 11 points per game in his career against Indy. He's one of the few guys kicking indoors this week, and he's facing a team that's allowed multiple field goals in nine of their last ten games. So Chris Boswell is a good play. And uh, Kaimi Fairbairn, he's been injured for a while, so he's probably available universally in every league. This week he's facing a Tennessee team that's allowed the most kicking points and the most field goals by far. So I'd say if you need somebody or if you're streaming by nature, go ahead and pick up Kaimi Fairbairn and feel comfortable. A couple of defenses I like. I love the Rams at home against Washington. I mean, anytime you place Washington, it's usually a sack fest and a pick fest. So I like the Rams at home, the team that crosses the country this weekend. And then I like Cincinnati uh, is hosting Minnesota this week with a rising Bengal squad playing at home in December against a banged-up Dome team. That sounds pretty good to me. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our Week 16 preview. That's the semifinals of fantasy football in our penultimate episode of 2023. Good luck to everyone still playing this week.
Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!